0: The greatest story ever told is a true story. It is a story of adventures, battles, kings and queens, heroes and villains, good and evil, history and prophecy. It is your story. Come join the adventure of the Bible story. Chapter 189 The Parable of the Good Samaritan A short time later, Jesus and his companions arrived back in Judea. An expert in the law of Moses spotted the group and decided to test Jesus.
1: Teacher, he asked, What must I do to inherit eternal life?
0: Jesus replied with a question.
1: What does it say in the law?
0: He asked, referring to the first five books of the Old Testament. The man knew the scriptures well without hesitation he said
1: they say to inherit eternal life you must love the Lord your God with all your heart soul strength and mind and you must love your neighbor as yourself
0: this answer covered all of the Ten Commandments the first four are about putting God and his family first and loving him passionately the last six are about loving others as we love ourselves. That is correct, Jesus said. If you do that, you will have eternal life. The man wanted to show everyone that he had a deep understanding of the law, so he asked
1: Jesus. But who is considered to be my neighbor? Jesus answered with a the parable. There was once a man walking from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of some robbers. They took everything he had and beat him badly, leaving him half dead. A little while later, a priest was going along the same route. When he saw the injured man, he passed by on the other side of the road. Later, one of the temple assistants was traveling down the same way. Like the priest, as soon as he saw the beaten man, he went by on the other side. Then a man from Samaria came traveling along the route. When he saw the hurt man, he felt compassion for him and went to him. He treated and bandaged his injuries and put the man on his donkey. He brought him to an inn and continued to take care of him. The next day, the Samaritan gave the innkeeper two silver coins, which were worth about two days of hard labor. Please, take care of the man I brought in last night, and if you need to spend more money than this on him, I will pay you back when I return. Jesus asked the expert in the law, Which one of these three men proved to be a true neighbor to the man who was beaten? The expert answered. The one who had mercy on him. That's right. Now go and do the same.
0: The sun was setting over the town of Bethany on the southeastern slope of the Mount of Olives when Jesus and his disciples arrived. It did not take them long to spot the house where they would stay that evening. Martha and Mary were standing outside of it, waving to the group.
1: You have arrived,
0: Martha said, as Jesus and the others came within earshot. Welcome to all of you, Mary said. Earlier in Christ's ministry, the sisters had heard him speak and had seen him work miracles. They had been convinced that he was the true Messiah. They had told him that if he and the disciples ever needed lodging near Jerusalem, they would always be welcome to stay at their estate in Bethany. The day before, Jesus had sent word that they would accept their invitation.
1: Yes, we made it, Jesus said. And we are very grateful for your
0: hospitality. Inside the house, Jesus began to speak to the group about the truth of God. The disciples crowded around him and Mary sat at his feet to be sure she could hear every word. But Martha did not sit down. She wanted to be sure that everyone's cup stayed filled with water. She darted in and out of the kitchen several times to refill the baskets of barley bread and to slice cucumbers and other vegetables for the men. She was also worried that some of her guests were uncomfortable since there were not enough chairs for everyone. Here is another blanket that I fetched from the neighbor, she said to Thomas in a loud whisper. And Bartholomew, aren't you sure that cushion is comfortable enough? Should I find another one? Martha looked at Mary, sitting there listening to Jesus. What a disgrace, she thought. She was appalled that her sister would sit and leave her alone to serve the guests. Martha decided to start filling cups and plates even faster to try to get Mary's attention and hopefully get her to help. But Mary remained locked onto Christ's words of truth. This continued for nearly an hour, with Martha growing more frantic with each passing minute. She thought that if Mary would not notice her, then perhaps one of the men would notice her effort and ask Mary to help. She began huffing she entered and exited the room. But since they were all listening closely to the words Jesus was speaking, no one seemed to notice Martha. Finally, she couldn't hold her tongue any longer.
1: Master Jesus, she said, do you not care
0: that my sister has left me all alone to tend to all the serving? Please ask her to help me. Jesus smiled at Martha. He appreciated her concern, for their practical needs and comforts, but he knew that she was going overboard and forgetting that spiritual needs are far
1: more important. Martha, Martha, he said warmly, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing has real eternal significance. Mary has chosen to focus on the one thing that is needed most, and it will not be taken away from her.
0: One evening, a short time later, Jesus' disciples sat speaking with each other quietly.
1: Wow! After all this time, he is still over there praying,
0: Andrew said. He pointed in the direction of Jesus, who was in a secluded spot just out of their view. They had grown accustomed to Christ's daily prayers, but they sometimes still wondered why he spent so
1: much time engaged in it. His example shows us just how important prayer is. Peter said. It shows us what a high priority prayer should be in our lives too. That's right. John said. He has
0: told us that his contact with God, along with fasting, is the reason he has the power to heal, cast out demons, and work other miracles. And prayer is how he maintains that contact
1: I feel that I have a lot to learn about how to pray to God in an effective way.
0: They looked up and saw Jesus walking back toward the group. Lord, one of the disciples said, will you teach us to pray? Jesus had been expecting the question and was overjoyed at the opportunity to teach the men this vital truth.
1: He sat down in front of his disciples. Being able to pray to God is an immense blessing. He said, It can give us a personal direct line of communication to God the Father. When you pray, He said, This is the approach you should take. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen.
0: Jesus was not teaching the disciples to memorize these exact words and repeat them whenever they prayed. He was giving them an outline showing what types of things to include and how to organize them when they prayed to God. God recorded and preserved this precious instruction in the Bible so that true Christians from the first century to the present, would be able to base their prayers on it. Jesus was teaching his disciples to direct their prayers to God the Father and to begin by praising him, recognizing his majesty, might, and goodness. He was training them to eagerly look forward to the kingdom of God for the sake of all mankind. He was showing them that they must ask for God's will to be done on earth in his work, his church, and in their individual lives, just as it is carried out by God the Father, Jesus Christ, and the righteous angels. He was teaching them to rely on God to provide the physical and spiritual needs of others and themselves. He was instructing them to confess their sins to God and fervently ask for his forgiveness. He was directing them to ask God for protection from serious trials, humbly allowing God to correct them. And he was showing them to conclude their prayers by again spending time praising and glorifying the great God. The last sliver of sunlight slipped down over the horizon. The disciples sat in silence, admiring the sky's spectacular colors and contemplating the instructions Christ had given them about how to pray. After several minutes, Jesus broke the silence with a parable designed to help the men understand another important
1: aspect of prayer. Imagine that you go knock on the door of one of your friends' houses at midnight and ask him to borrow some food so that you could feed a guest who came to stay with you. Your friend would tell you to go away because it is so late. But eventually, if you keep knocking and asking, your friend will get up and give you the food. The men considered his words but did not understand how
0: they connected to the instruction about prayer that Christ had just given them.
1: But then Christ connected the dots. So it is with prayer, my friends. You can't always expect the prayer to be answered right away. You will often have to be persistent like the importunate friend of that parable. Keep on asking, and you will receive an answer. Keep seeking, and you will find. Keep knocking, and the door will be opened.
0: As the sky's colors continued to fade, the disciples thought deeply about all they had just learned. They began to see that prayer would become a profoundly important part of their daily routine for the rest of their lives. One morning, Jesus was in a public location, driving a demon out of a man that could not talk. After the demon fled, the formerly mute man was able to speak. The crowds who witnessed this were amazed. But a few of them thought that Jesus was not using the power of God to accomplish miracles. He drives out demons by the power of Beelzebub, the Prince of Demons." A young man in a brown tunic said, Speaking loudly enough for the crowds to hear, Jesus explained why the logic of this
1: accusation was deeply flawed. A kingdom made up of people who fight against each other will end up in ruin, and a family that fights will break apart. If Satan were to fight against himself and his own demons, how could his kingdom last? Your accusation that I used the power of Satan or Beelzebub to drive demons out is ridiculous. I used the power of the mighty God to force demons from people. Jesus went on to tell the people once
0: again about the sign of the prophet Jonah and how he would be in the earth dead for three days and three nights. Just as the prophet had been in the massive fish for that amount of time, He also spoke to them about the importance of letting God fill us with His perfect light. As Christ continued speaking, the crowd listening to him grew larger and larger. Pharisees could see that many of those listening were deeply impressed by His message. More than ever, these men worried that their positions and influence in the nation were at risk. They wanted to bring an end to Christ speaking. I'm sorry to interrupt, one of the Pharisees said.
1: But would you care to join a small group of us for some refreshments at my home just across the street?
0: Besides prematurely ending his public sermon, the Pharisees also hoped private conversation would give them new opportunities to entrap Christ in statements that they could use to formally accuse him of heresy. Jesus accepted the offer and went along with the Pharisees and some scribes. Inside the house, refreshments such as dates and figs were on the table. Jesus sat down and began to eat. The Pharisees looked at Jesus with their eyes widened in disbelief. Do you dare refuse the rabbinical ablutions before eating?" One of the Pharisees asked. The traditions of these Pharisees was to perform an elaborate ceremony of ritualistic washing before they ate. They would dip part of one hand in an elaborate gesture, then another part with still more flourish and pomp. They would then repeat the rituals with the other hand. The purpose was not to have good hygiene, but to signal virtue and
1: importance to others. You Pharisees clean the outside of cups and dishes, but on the inside, you are full of greed and evil. Jesus
0: explained that the Pharisees and scribes live selfish lives, and that their religion was built on hollow displays of righteousness. He told them they did not truly love God or other people. And they were actually a hindrance to worshippers who wished to understand the true God. His words, rather than correcting these men, only made them more determined to do whatever it would take to silence Jesus. When Christ went back outside to where he had been speaking to the public, he saw that many thousands of people had gathered. So many were packed into the area that they were stepping on each other. Even though all those people were there, Jesus decided to speak mostly to his disciples. He told the twelve to be alert about the dangers of the leaven of the Pharisees, which he explained is hypocrisy. He instructed the men to fear only God, and not men. He also told them that everyone who publicly acknowledges that they belong to Christ will be given spiritual rewards in heaven. Be careful about becoming greedy and materialistic. He warned them. Jesus explained that a fulfilling life is not the result of having an abundance of possessions. He told them that it is foolish for a person to score up all kinds of earthly wealth but to not have a rich relationship with God.
1: For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also, he said.
0: A few days later, on a Sabbath morning, Jesus Christ was teaching in a crowded synagogue, as he often did throughout his ministry. As he was speaking, he noticed a woman in the audience with a terrible affliction. She was severely hunched over and unable to stand up straight. She had been crippled by a demon for 18 long years. Christ was moved with compassion. He stopped in the middle of his message and called her over to him. Woman, you are set free from your infirmity, he said. He laid his hands on her and she was immediately healed. She stood up straight for the first time in years and began praising God right there in the synagogue. She was overjoyed to be healed of a painful and humiliating deformity. The ruler of the synagogue, however, was upset that Christ had healed on the Sabbath day. He accused Jesus of breaking the law. There are six days for working, the Pharisee told the congregation. Come and be healed on one of those days, and not the holy sabbath!" This man thought he was a better sabbath-keeper than Jesus Christ. You hypocrites! The Lord responded.
1: Do any of you refuse to untie your and lead it to water on the sabbath? Shouldn't this woman, whom Satan had bound for eighteen years, also be released from her bondage on this day?
0: The Pharisees had made the Sabbath day a burden with their unbiblical rules and oppressive observances. Christ took this opportunity to show everyone there that the Sabbath is a day to grow in love and that it pictures a time when everyone will have health and freedom. Christ's detractors were ashamed, and the crowd rejoiced for all that Christ had done there that day. After this miraculous healing and confrontation with the synagogue leaders, Christ continued teaching. He repeated the parables of the mustard seed and the leaven, both of which show that the kingdom of God starts very small but will grow into something that covers the entire earth and universe. It was in the midst of a chilly winter when Christ and his followers arrived in Jerusalem once again. The city was bustling with residents and Jewish pilgrims who were visiting to celebrate the Feast of Dedication, which is also called the Feast of Lights, or Hanukkah. The Jews celebrate this eight-day holiday to commemorate the cleansing of the temple by the Maccabees that had happened almost 150 years prior. Christ entered the crowded temple and was immediately confronted by the Jews. They surrounded him and began to scoffingly ask about his identity.
1: If you really are the Messiah, why won't you tell us plainly? plainly? They mocked. Jesus answered, I already told you and you didn't believe me. The works I have done in my father's name prove who I am, but you still refuse to believe because you are not my followers. My true supporters listen to my words and see my example, and they follow me. I will give them eternal life, and no one will be able to lead them away from me. My father gave them to me, and he is more powerful than anyone else. I and my father are one." His answer infuriated the Jews. They refused to believe that a
0: man could be God. They became so angry. They snatched up rocks so they could stone Jesus Christ.
1: Jesus remained calm and said, I have done many good works at my father's direction. For which of these works will you stone me? The Jews' anger intensified.
0: We are not stoning you because you've Don't done a good work. We will stone you for committing
1: blasphemy. Blasphemy! Oh, that is blasphemy. You're a man-man, and you've claimed to be God! You're not a player, What?
0: Christ then quoted one of the Psalms that Asaph had written hundreds of years earlier. But isn't it written in your law, I have said you are gods? The Jews would have been very familiar with this psalm because it was part of the scriptures they routinely studied and claimed to live by but he knew they did not understand its meaning. Christ was trying to show the Jews that all humans have the potential to become God beings. He was not guilty of blasphemy at all and he could prove
1: that from their own scriptures. Jesus continued, If he called those men gods, then why shouldn't I, the one whom the Father sent into this world, call myself the Son of God? You don't have to believe me unless I do my Father's works. However, if I do those works, you had better accept that I am my father's son. This statement filled the Jews with murderous rage. They
0: ran to seize Christ, but he miraculously escaped once again. Jesus and his followers began traveling toward Perea on the east side of the Jordan River. They visited numerous towns and villages in this region and encountered many people who had heard John the Baptist preaching and prophesying about the Messiah. Many of these people listened to Christ speak and were convinced that he was the Messiah for whom John the Baptist had prepared the way.